Just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over Tuesday, March 7th, 2023, 23 days until opening day and our big opening day extravaganza. How are you doing, kids? You are jconline.com. Can't wait for daylight savings time to get here or daylight saving time before somebody corrects me. I think it's just, uh, I don't know why we put the S on there, but we do and it's wrong and I'm already in trouble and I've only been talking for 15 seconds. 
All right, so uh, the, <laughs> the bottom fell out of the weather situation, didn't it? So it's going to be chilly here for as far as the eye can see, by the way. Now, you know, it's not like it's going to be 20 degrees. Well, at night it's going to get cold, but it's still not that bad for this time of year. But it is chilly. It ain't going to be anything like it was yesterday, that's for sure. And as you look ahead, you know, you're maybe 50, 53, something like that for highs. And I don't see anything warmer than that for like the next week and a half. So we'll see if the whole thing checks out. I'm telling you, I was absolutely consumed by the story involving Skip and Lori Weber yesterday. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was talking about it with friends and uh, just in my mind, I was doing yard work yesterday. All I could think about was that situation and how inconvenienced and how shocking and how devastating and how uh, just, you know, or as Skip used the word surreal yesterday when I talked to him. And you just start thinking about losing everything, everything you have. You figure that, uh, all right, a couple of things here. Skip has an office at each of the locations of Weber Chevrolet. So I'm sure he's got a couple things there. His lovely wife, Lori, is a Christmas nut and has probably, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Christmas decorations. They have 37 Christmas trees. And so finally, uh, Skip told me a couple of years ago, they got a storage facility where they keep all that stuff when they're not using it the remaining 11 months of the year. So that stuff presumably is safe. And I don't know if they have a safe deposit box or anything like that. And other than that, it's the clothes on their back. That's it. I mean, just think about it. Just apply that to your own situation and your brain will really start doing weird things because you start thinking, okay, no passport, nothing in terms of any uh, documentation or anything like that. Uh, uh, birth certificates, just, you know, tax information, you know, all the practical stuff, all the practical stuff that we need to just, uh, you know, move forward in life. Now, all the sentimentality, just all the pictures on the walls, family photographs. You know, well, JC, didn't they have a safe? Yeah, they had a couple of safes. As a matter of fact, one safe had uh, some ammunition in it, and I guess the safe got so hot that that the, the bullets started going off of the safe, and then they also had a, a couple of propane tanks, which I think was the backup generator stuff. And if you're a firefighter, many of these firefighters, by the way, personal friends of the Webbers, it's a very tight-knit community in Waterloo, Illinois. And Skip is so involved in charitable foundations. These people all know each other. It's a, like I said, it's a it's a tight community. But they're like, you know, Skip, we can't go in there. You've got propane tanks and you've got ammunition in the safe. And this fire is as hot as can be. And uh, it's just too dangerous. And then for some reason, there was some sort of water line that went dead. So they were actually pumping water out of the pool to uh, try to put the uh, fire out. But by then, it was, I mean, it was just too late. It was just too late. And again, you know, our daughter is 13. We were sort of talking about this with her because she had been to that house a couple of times for the big 4th of July parties that the Webbers have. And we they're nice enough to invite us every year. And so every couple of minutes, her brain would go to work and she'd go, well, what about this? What about that? And we'd have to sort of shake our heads and go, no, sweetie. I mean, you know, none of that stuff made it through the fire. But it does uh, it puts you in the mind of thinking everything over. I can tell you one thing. 
I will almost immediately be, you know, putting together backup things. I mean, people always talk about a hard drive. Well, a hard drive doesn't do you any good. If, you know, I'm talking about an external drive. It doesn't do you any good if it isn't protected from a fire. So maybe it is time to get a safe deposit box, get some of that stuff out of the house. Storage facilities are expensive, but how do you put a price on family heirlooms and just family photographs and things like that? Get that shit on the cloud immediately. Some people were very quick to point out yesterday, well, I'm sure they got good insurance. Well, the insurance will put the walls back up, put the roof back on a house and give you a place to live. But all your stuff is gone. You've lost all your stuff. It's just uh, it's just unbelievable to think about. Just unbelievable. Over the last few years, we've become friends with the Weber. So this is uh, really hit hard. I've been to the house you know, so many times and the word heartbreaking is not nearly powerful enough to express the feelings that you feel in a situation like this for our friends. And so all you can do is put one foot in front of the other and uh, maybe things like this. So a lot of people like to say things like this happen for a reason. And maybe the reason is to uh, remind the rest of us that doesn't matter how much money you have, fire is devastating. And I know we've had this conversation on the podcast maybe in the last year or so, just talking about the worst kind of devastation, tornado, hurricane, fire, water. And almost everybody to a man says flooding is the worst thing that can happen to you. But you see something like the devastation of the Weber house over there in Columbia, Illinois, and it's hard to It's hard to go back and say water is the worst. You know, uh, some people pointed out, you know, most fires start on the ground floor and work their way up, and their bedrooms are upstairs. How they got out of the house, I don't know. You know, it is interesting. My my Uncle Roy, who lived in one of the Houston suburbs, this was back in, I want to say it was the late 70s. My Uncle Roy. My Uncle Roy used to take me slot car racing. Remember those uh, things you'd go to a little building somewhere and they would have this big track set up and you would have these slot cars and they had a little uh, peg in the bottom of the car and the car would become active when you would put it on there. These little, you know, matchbox sized cars. Some of them were bigger. And you would race these things. And it was so much fun. So much fun. My Uncle Roy would do that all the time when I was a kid. So uh, he was also uh, a guy who gave me a, a regulation Chicago Cubs baseball uniform when I was about seven years old. And my friend at the time, Alan Bober, who lived down the street, was a Sox fan, and he got a regulation Chicago White Sox uniform. These were these wool things that the players used to wear. I mean, they were authentic, but they were just in our sizes. We were seven years old. And uh, we used to go play baseball every single day in the summer. And uh, we would wear those, I almost said costumes, we would wear those uniforms. It was one of the greatest presents I think I ever got. So my little Ryan is uh, sitting there, there's a thunderstorm going through Houston, and he's sitting there watching TV, a lot of thunder and lightning, it's just, you know, one of those nights. And uh, all of a sudden, there's all this banging on the front door, and people are knocking on the glass picture window. He comes around outside and goes, what are you guys doing? They're like, get out of the house. Get out of the house. He's like, why? And they pull him out of the front lawn. The entire top half of the house was on fire. The house had been hit by lightning, and it started a fire, and my Uncle Roy's house in Houston burned to the foundation. So you, you sort of never imagine that something like this is going to happen to you 
or somebody you're close to. But boy, oh boy. I'm already tired of the fallout from this Chris Rock thing. For God's sakes. He does comedy. He's quiet for a year. All right. He's quiet for a year. Does the big comedy special the other night. Triple scale production. I mean, the whole thing. I thought that the uh, on balance for a Chris Rock comedy special was a little weak, but it was still very entertaining. There were plenty of funny things in it. It's just, you know, I'm just used to the, the show being a little more packed with jokes, and it just wasn't this time. But what he finally got around to is talking about the Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith thing. And uh, you know, we played it yesterday and all day yesterday. They're still talking about it this morning. It's like, for God's sakes, the guy and the shit slapped out of him on live television as part of a comedy act. He's up there doing comedy. And I, you know, I'm, I'm going to go through the whole thing again. You saw, you know what happened. And unbelievably, there are people taking Will Smith's side. All right. Sure. There's some woman on CNN yesterday was like, oh, for God's sakes. Anyhow, Will Smith reportedly been trying to unsuccessfully make amends with Chris Rock. I was thinking, I was thinking that maybe coming up on the Oscars this weekend, they the two of them would walk out together just unannounced. But I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that anymore, based on the content of the Chris Rock comedy special the other night. But it would have been one. Of, it would have been one of those real moments. So instead, I'm sure they'll just make a bunch of jokes about it, and that will be that. Popular Science says the best place to sit in a movie theater is in the middle row, about two-thirds of the way back. That's where you get the best visual and auditory experience. And I didn't need Popular Science to tell me that. We have a Ukrainian player, Marta Kostyuk, who won the ATX open tennis tournament and refused to shake her Russian opponent's hand. She dedicated her win to, quote, all the people that are fighting and dying right now. Well, can't hardly blame her, can you? Lenny Kravitz, by the way, is going to perform the uh, In Memoriam musical segment at the Oscars. A lot of movie news here this morning. I don't know if it's a coincidence or because we've got the Oscars coming up. Netflix making a docuseries about Gary Glitter, which I don't really understand because Gary Glitter had one song, Rock and Roll Part 2. Hey! That song. But he's also a convicted pedophile. Seems like the story is a little on the thin side. A docuseries about that guy? Ted Lasso. Coming back in a couple of days. And you get the idea that that might be it. Uh, Jason Sudeikis says season three wraps up with, quote, the story that we wanted to tell, end quote. Sounds like the end to me. The Edge says U2's next album, of new material will have heavy guitars, maybe not as heavy as ACDC, but maybe a little louder than people are accustomed to. A lot of people watching the fallout from the new baseball rule changes at uh, various spring training camps in Arizona and Florida. Red Sox star Justin Turner got drilled in the face by a pitch during an exhibition game against the Tigers yesterday. 16 stitches. When I took that line drive in the face uh, four years ago, it was in the chin. That was seven stitches in my chin. I'd never had a problem before. I've been pitching since I was eight years old. And, uh, you know, the old reflexes are still pretty good, but... You know, there, there are, if you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever been in an athletic situation in baseball where a ball comes 
off the bat that handcuffs you and is also knuckling. Truth of the matter is you don't stand much of a chance. You're just at the mercy of the physics involved. And in my case, everything is a harmonic convergence of all. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I took it in the chin, knocked out, uh, you know, the the, the whole thing, the uh, concussion, the ambulance drive. It was a $7,500 ambulance drive, by the way. Right, birthdays today, Laura Prepon from uh, Orange is the New Black and also the 70s show, uh, 43. Jenna Fisher, our own Jenna Fisher, we always claim her, 49, Pam from the office. Peter Sarsgaard, 52, Rachel Weiss, who's married to Daniel Craig, 53, Wanda Sykes, 59, Taylor Dane, tell it to my heart, 61, Brian Cranston, what a great guy, Brian Cranston, having a birthday today, 67. The A-List Interview with J.C. and the Morning Show Graham. Actor Brian Cranston on Life Before Breaking Bad. We're talking, I think, early 70s here. We want to hear about your big guest starring shot on chips. Oh, you're dating me. Man, oh man, I tell you, there was nothing more prouder in my life. (laughs) I played some hillbilly. Amy Lou, look at us here in Hollywood. This guy and this gal were on the honeymoon and they started carjacking and then they robbed a liquor store or something like that. Gave no explanation as to why they did this stupid thing. Brian Cranston just seems like the kind of guy you could sit with and talk for hours and not get bored. You would just have so much fun. Interesting story yesterday involving Bob Costas. Now, Bill Maher has this thing. It's this video blog thing that they do. It's uh, like a podcast with video. And Bill Maher, I think, is smoking dope while he's doing it. I'm pretty sure I say that because I was actually just listening to the audio, even though it was video. I was listening to the audio because I was out cutting the grass, doing yard work and stuff like that yesterday and listening to this thing. And uh, Bob Costas reveals in this interview with Bill Maher, and this thing went like an hour and 45 minutes, but he revealed that Back when David Letterman jumped from NBC over to CBS, CBS told Dave, they said, okay, you're getting this show at 1035 Central Time, but we're going to give you the show afterwards too. So just whatever you want to do, you hire whoever you want. You're in control of the show that follows you. And uh, it's just part of your production team. You just hire somebody, put them on, and have fun. So I guess those would have been the uh, Craig Ferguson years. But they shopped the show around, and one of the things that happened is Dave called up Bob Costas along with the CBS people, and they said, Bob, here's the deal. We would really like you to do the show after Dave's show on CBS. So you'd come on at 11.35 every night. You uh, put some idea together for a late-night television talk show. If you want to do what you did on later, go ahead, do whatever you want. You know, But that's your gig. But before you answer, we also want to put something else on the table here. In addition to being given that show, we're going to make you a 60 Minutes correspondent. So they offered him quite a bundle there. He ended up turning it down. And he turned it down because, as he said, his kids were still, you know, they were not toddlers anymore. They were old enough to sort of know what was going on in the world, but they were young kids. And Bob Costas, with what he was doing, could often bring kids around or introduce them to Michael Jordan or something like that. Well, now you become a 60 Minutes correspondent. I don't really think they're the kids at eight or nine years old are going to be that interested in after the interview, getting an autograph from 
Newt Gingrich. I listened to the whole thing and I sent Bob a note yesterday. He sent something back. We are clearing something up that had happened, oh my God, 35 years ago involving Vin Scully. You know, for all the talk about Vin Scully and everything, if you were around in 1986, you remember that Scully was involved in a controversy in St. Louis. It was the league championship series, I guess, uh, between the Cardinals and old one flap down Jeffrey Leonard and the San Francisco Giants as Kevin Mitchell was still with the team then too. You remember that game at Bush Stadium where he ran and ran and ran and ran towards a foul pole and looked up. The ball was right pretty much on top of him. He didn't have time to get his glove up, so he just reached up with his bare hand and caught it with his bare hand. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So anyway, on the 86 season, there's a you know there's an optical illusion that occurred at the old Bush Stadium and it, the, the current Bush Stadium also. It's the same thing. When you're looking at center field and where the fans are sitting in center field from the cameras that are behind home plate it creates an optical illusion and that's what happened in the 86 championship series with the cardinals and the giants there was a play where a ball bounced and we had the artificial turf then and you know how it used to bounce and the ball bounced on the artificial turf and sort of up in the air and it took one big bounce off the turf and into the front row of the center field bleachers, and you saw a fan reach out, grab the ball, and that was it. Well, there was an interference call. Or was it there wasn't an interference call? All I know there was a big controversy because the Giants were claiming fan interference. And from the video behind home plate, yeah, it's sort of, well, the guy reached out and caught the ball on one bounce from the first row of the center field bleachers. But as I said, it's an optical illusion. And it's the same thing now at Push Stadium. Look at from the side, or for some reason, you're sitting in center field. There's about three feet there. It's like a, it's like a three-foot buffer between where the wall is and where the first row of seats are. Translated, it's physically impossible for a fan to reach over and interfere with a ball that bounces into the first row of the center field bleachers. It's impossible. You'd have to have arms that were six feet long. But anyhow, the Giants were yelling and screaming the whole thing, and it wasn't until later that night. It was a day game. It wasn't until later that night that they are like, no, see, that's impossible. But Scully really got on the umpires and really sort of got on the St. Louis fans, and he actually had to come on the air the next day and issue an apology because he had really gone hard on the umpires and basically saying that they blew it and the Cardinals got away with one and the whole thing. And then they explained to him later, yeah, Vin, you were wrong on that. It's possible. I don't think Scully enjoyed having to issue an apology. I don't think he, I don't think he enjoyed that very much. But there was a whole thing I was talking with Bob about yesterday. He's doing great. He's 70 now. And I told him, I said, you know, later this year, I'll be joining the club. You guys are cracking me up because I've got all these cub reporters now. And when I say cub reporter, I'm not talking about the Chicago Cubs. I'm talking about the, the term cub reporter, a young reporter trying to be, get big stories. And I got everybody working for me right now. And I really appreciate it because this is so much fun. People are taking screenshots at their homes of their TV screens and sending them to me when they see these ridiculous flubs and misspellings and all this stupid stuff that the local TV the local TV stations are always putting up. We had a guy on radio the other day who referred to the actor as Dan Cheadle. It's Don. And uh, the same reporter referred to Babe Newworth. It's B.B. Newworth. 
but I have the uh, I have the soundbite somewhere in here. I have temporarily lost it, but I will find it. I'll play it for you tomorrow. But uh, Claire Kellett was on the news late last week, and uh, the, the blues traded for there's a couple of different ways to spell Jacob. Standard spelling. J-A-C-O-B, Jacob. But then you got Jacob Dillon, who spells it with a K. And then we got a new blues player that was just involved in the trade a couple of days ago, and he spells his name J-A-K-U-B. It's Jacob. It's an unusual spelling, but that's it, Jacob. And she pronounced it Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) And then last night, I put up the video of a reporter who was doing a live shot, and she said, we attempted to contact the deceased, but they were unavailable. Yeah, it's tricky out there being a, being a reporter. <laughs> we attempted to contact the deceased, but they were not available. Maybe it's the schools. I don't know. Some dumb people coming out of school with a diploma that I'm not sure deserve one schools have a tall order when it comes to getting kids ready for adulthood these are people at life hacker put together a list here's all the stuff that they say they should teach kids in school that they really don't for example how to split complicated bills at a restaurant that new cars are bad investments also basic car maintenance the true cost of home ownership and mortgages also how insurance works how to calculate compound interest Uh, The real definition of consent, how to give a compliment, the idea that hydration is important, the art of haggling and negotiation, how to build your credit, how to deal with the police, what to do in an emergency, and good time management. And uh, maybe we have finally found out why people freak around clowns. Because 54% of us have a slight fear of clowns, according to a new study. Here are the top reasons we find them scary. Their makeup makes it hard to read their emotions. Scary clowns in movies and TV shows made us afraid. And their unpredictable behavior makes us nervous. I'm not fearful of clowns. I just don't get it. I don't understand. It's sort of like circuses. You know, before we had TV and professional sports teams and lots of different forms of entertainment. You want to take the family somewhere, there's all these different things that you can do. But, you know, back in the, what, the 1700s, the 1800s, we didn't have any of that stuff. So P.T. Barnum comes along and says, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up this big tent and we're going to invite people in, charge them a couple of bucks, bring them in, and we're going to have dancing elephants and clowns and all this sort of stuff. Well, because that's what people needed. That was the state of entertainment back then. It isn't anymore. We have fucking Netflix and Amazon Prime. We don't need to go to a tent. And oh, by the way, if you're seeing an animal like a tiger or a lion or an elephant that is doing something as part of a circus, you know, something that it would never do in the wild, I can guarantee you that that animal has been beaten severely because that's the only way you're going to get an animal like that to do something like dance. So then you come to the clown thing and you're like, well, wait a minute minute here. Can you imagine a stand-up comedian coming out on stage at the Fox Theater and that comedian is dressed the same way as every other comedian and tells the same jokes that you've heard every other comedian tell? Because that's basically what clown stuff is. They're all dressed, in essence, the same. Giant plastic shoes. You know, in 1865, maybe that seemed really funny. 
pretending you're falling down, okay? Again, when you work on a farm and you've never even been to a big city and you've never even seen any sort of a show, movies didn't exist yet, television obviously didn't exist, you never were exposed to anything like that. So, all right, let's dress up, put your good bib overalls on there, honey, let's go in and see that circus. Well, it's 2023. Why do we still have people dressed up the same all doing the same routine magicians go right in there too i dated a girl a long time ago she she and i uh, dated on and off through the 80s and stuff like that she eventually ended up marrying a magician i guess the guy performed in branson or something marriage lasted less than a year i also don't like all those stupid facial expressions magicians make when they're doing so Ooh, look at what i'm about to do oh how did i do that look you know you can see the expression on their face it's like just shut up clowns here's how dumb people are cops in central california had to ask people to stop calling 911 about jupiter and venus last week they've been you know really bright and really close together in the sky and people thought they were ufos man in florida heard a noise at his front door on saturday night don't answer it don't answer the f- he did bitten on the leg by an alligator He's fine. The alligator was euthanized by the authorities. Scientific review found that yoga can help men last longer in bed. Duh. Most of us feel a lot younger in our minds than we really are. A study found that we tend to think and feel we're about 20% younger than we are. So if you're 30, that means in your mind you're 24. If you're in your 50s, you feel like in your, your, like in your late 30s till you see yourself in the mirror and you get on a scale. And in the department of, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again, WD-40, you know the stuff you spray on? What do you got that sticks or squeaks? It got its name because it took the inventors 40 tries to get the formula right. And it was on this date in 1897. This is a true story because I remember I, I didn't live very far from Battle Creek, Michigan back in the late 1970s. It was uh, 1897. Dr. John Kellogg had some sort of connection with um, a, a sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan. So he had a bunch of crazy people in there and he said, I'm going to serve him cornflakes for the first time. He believed for whatever reason that cornflakes had some sort of, I don't know, property in them that was going to help the condition of the mental patients who by the way were not impressed with the cornflakes they didn't like them but in their defense after all they were already <laughs> cuckoo for coco pops <laughs> that was a long way to go for that one you probably saw it coming right down market street oh my god and with that the jc Gorkin podcast for tuesday march 7th 2020 <laughs> 2023 is in the can 23 days until opening day don't forget to tell all your friends we're here every weekday morning at 11 with the jc corcoran podcast you can follow me on facebook the showgram with jc corcoran or email me at jc at jconline.com have a great day talk to you in the morning in the meantime we've beaten this one to death have a good one see you later bye the jc corcoran podcast